Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. When it comes to your team, the news you can't live without comes live from the Crystal Glass Sports Desk. Only on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, what a pleasure to have you tuning in tonight. One minute left in the third quarter. Hamilton leading Winnipeg 2012. Hamilton just coming up with an interception on their own 40. In overtime, the Edmonton Stingers, a 105-98 victory over the Niagara River Lions. So, both teams now 12-4, and tied for first in the standings. Good win for the Stingers tonight. Uh, Xavier Moon, who we had on the show about three weeks ago, 23 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists tonight. FC Edmonton will play Forge FC tomorrow at 4 at Clark Field. The Edmonton Prospects in Okotoks tonight. That game about to get underway. Really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, the text line is working. So they've they've repaired the squirrel chew marks. Oh, yay. <laughs> this texture says, Great guest, Alex, just gave us a fundamental lesson in car racing. Alex Tagliani was in studio. He is one of my favorites. Always uh, a lot of passion. A really good job of taking you inside the car, inside his mind. He was talking about his race preparation today. Love having him on the show. I know we'll be talking a little more in detail about this story next week on the show, Kellen. But have you seen this about the robot umpires? No. No. I've heard rumor of it, but what's up? (laughs) Well, they're not actually robots. There's still a human ump. This is in the Atlantic League, and this is in okay. conjunction with Major League Baseball. They use a system called TrackMan, so it's the system that measures the strike zone, and it's consistent, and it's consistent throughout the game. I mean, it varies from batter to batter, but then it's consistent throughout the game. So a ball in the first inning is going to be a ball in the eighth inning. That's that's the theory. But there is still a human umpire behind the plate with an earpiece. And he gets this system called the automated balls and strikes system, sends him the call. And right. then he still says it, but he's not making the call. And he's there as a fail safe in case something goes wrong. And I guess there could be an odd circumstance where if the ball bounces in front of the plate into the strike zone, the computer would think that it was a strike. But in reality, it's a ball because it bounced in front of the plate. So he would override it in situations like that. Other than that, he says what the robot's telling him. I'm just picturing Microsoft Sam from the old speech, speech-to-text programs uh, on the old Windows 95 back in the day just going, ball. <laughs> that's what, that's ball. what it is. Strike. <laughs> ball. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, we'll we'll do. I think I think we'll get the president of the Atlantic League on. Maybe we'll wrangle some uh, some umpires as well to talk about this. You can text six thirty six thirty. Like I said, it is working. The phone number seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The Eskimos, the victory last night, the shutout of the Toronto Argos, who are not good. But you got to beat them to break down this game. Former Eskimo, our analyst here on 630, Chad, Blake Dermott. Blake, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me on. Good to have you on the show again. The Eskimos with the clean sheet last night, 26 nothing against the Argos. Uh, you had a, a long and storied football career. You were lucky enough to win more than you lost. But I wonder if there was ever a, a good or bad shuttered experience that you had as a player. You know, I, I, I don't remember us shutting out. I remember coaching a, a game where we shut out a team 14 nothing. but I don't remember uh, us when I was playing to ever shut out a team at any level or to be shut out. Uh, I know that we did lose uh, one game in college. We, it was close to the half. It was 9-1 to one with a couple minutes to go against Manitoba, and they scored two touchdowns before the half ended. And <laughs> Next thing you know, it was twenty-three to one going into the half, and I think we lost, and it was the worst loss in Golden Bear modern day history at that time. My last year playing with the Bears, and it was like forty to one or something we lost, uh, but we never we never got shut out. Uh, so, so that's a that's a that's a, a tough one to swallow if you're an, if you're an offense. Well, pretty demoralizing, and I mean, look for the Toronto Argos. It's it's been a pretty demoralizing year, and now they get shut out. And it's not very common in the CFL, not common in football in general, but in the CFL, you get a, a couple more possessions per team per half usually, and you got the single point where sometimes you can just boot it into the end zone, and the other team decides not to run it out. So I mean, for them actually to be blanked last night on top of how their season has been going. Uh, I mean, man, the, I, I had Corey Chamberlain on the show earlier this week, and he said, you know, we're still a confident group. We're still trying to believe, but it's going to be another confidence drainer to not score a point. Yeah, they're they're a mess over there. Um, and, and as I said on the broadcast last night, I don't even know if it's, uh, it has anything to do with their their lack of personnel. Well, I, no, that's not true. I mean, it does have they, – they need a quarterback. They need, they need some help at that position probably more than anything. But – um, there's an awful lot of good players. I mean, you go through that roster and you see players that, that some of them were injured last night that that would look really nice on other teams and have looked nice on other teams. So it's uh, it's something that's going on between the ears over there and something that's going on in the, in the locker room where I see the majority of the problem because, you know, I, I, I just find it shocking, and I mentioned this last night, that that when not that some teams are having trouble this year because every year some teams going to have trouble and you're going to you're going to be able to predict that based on you know so many changes in experience and things like that but but it it shocks me that that teams are undefeated at this point it it just does because I can guarantee you that their coaches aren't working any less hard than the coaches someplace else, and, and their players are in shape. And but if you don't have the chemistry and you don't have what it takes, like I said, between the ears and in that locker room to make a team bond together and play for each other, then you're never going to have success. From an Eskimo standpoint, four and two through the first third of the season, the the defense obviously. Uh, an incredible story and I mean Argos or not a shutout is, is a shutout it goes into the record books that way and and you know Blake we've talked a lot about the D-line but the secondary and to me it really shone through last night if there is a ball that they think they can get to 
they're going for the pick. They're not going for the knockdown. They're not going for the big hit to separate the receiver for the ball. They're going for the pick. And, and maybe that's going to bite them sometimes throughout the season. But, man, like they, they are making plays and they're going for the ball. And I, th- I think it's more of the just more evidence of the, the lolly mentality and the players are bought into that. Yeah, no, and and you hear that from them all the time when you're when you talk to them. They just talk about how everybody's bought into it, and and the things that uh, Coach Lolly has done with that defense. Um, I mean, that's that's evident when you watch them play. But some of the other things, you just listen to guys. Uh, we you know when we're talking to them after the game on uh, on the show, and and so many guys are just praising the way this team has become so tight in such a short period of time. Because when you have the turnover the Eskimos had. Um, yeah, you brought in a lot of really good players, but, but a lot of times those really good players take some time to be able to figure out where they sit within the hierarchy of a locker room. And these guys have all just, they, they all just, are, you know, are, are, are saying how, how much they love each other, how much they, they want to play for each other. And, and that's uh, due in large part to the philosophy of Coach Moss taken from the middle, middle of the off season to how are we going to address this situation with all these new bodies and the things that they've done, the team building that they've done, and the, the really good leaders that they have in that locker room. It's obvious they have really good leaders. And I think those are, that's one of the things that was missing with the Eskimos last year. Because the Eskimos were a talented enough team last year. But you saw, we all saw, how they just would self-destruct in games or they couldn't pull it out because I don't think they all wanted to play for each other anymore. Eskimos analyst Blake Dermott joining us tonight at Inside Sports. Eskimos winning 26 nothing over the Argos last night. Okay, offensively, they were coming off a game where they didn't score a touchdown last night. Four touchdowns, two field goals. The, the yardage is there. I mean, another game over 400 yards. Um, relatively efficient, I guess. They had a couple of turnovers. You know, I, I try to have the policy, Blake, never complain about a win. <laughs> but I, I am going to offer this. I still get the feeling watching the offense that the yards aren't leading to enough points. I guess specifically finishing drives with, with sixes instead of threes. You know, Reed, you, uh, uh, when you think about it, they had two touchdowns called back and one fumble on the one-yard line. Okay? So, uh, uh, and then uh, you, you add to that they had over... So they, there's three touchdowns that they could have scored. Of course, one of the ones that was called back was was they eventually scored on that drive, anyways. But but they, you're, I agree with you. They did leave points on the board, and so there's th- three instances where they could have scored seven points. Okay, um, you you have an offense that is over 400 yards of, uh, in in a game, and now in any league, that's a phenomenal performance by an offense. Uh, and you still scored four touchdowns uh, on top of that. Um, or three, was it three? Twenty? It's three touchdowns, was it? And two, yeah, three touchdowns, a couple of field goals. So, so there's a potential of six times they were in the end zone from a touchdown standpoint, and uh, and you aren't happy with that. <laughs> you know? Well, <laughs> you feel <laughs> they they got they got two touchdowns. They got. Uh... Cooper ran for one. Harris ran for one. They got they got fourteen points that way. Twelve on field goals. So I I know they. I'm just I'm just. I, but three that they could have had. You know, fair had enough. One called back on a legal pick, and then they had another one, uh, um, the fumble. And I think there were three that could have been called that that they could have had additional touchdowns. Uh, so so when you when you put that into perspective, yeah, they're leaving stuff on the table. Yeah, they're they're not scoring. They're not finishing the drives. But that was evident in the, the two previous games where they hadn't they didn't score a touchdown. 
but this is a team that it seems to be, you know, going in the right direction with respect to, okay, there's an awful lot that they got to clean up. Penalties last night were below 10, you know, so they're, they're making some steps there. They, you know, when they've only played a third of the season, so they're not, they're not even at the halfway point. They've got a long ways to go and everybody in that locker room would agree to that. But, but boy, when you look at the performance, yes, it was Toronto, but it was a, it was a professional football team on five days between games and they came out with that kind of a performance especially the defense doing what they did i was you know i was nervous going into the game i was i even mentioned that to, to morley and dave that i i was a little bit nervous about you know the wind the conditions all the things there were so many distractions of five games playing with an extra uh, one guy less in the roster only two quarterbacks so many things to think about other than just going out and playing and those guys managed it really well, and uh, you know they did a, they did an excellent job in just absolutely eliminating. Because it, even though they didn't score, they eliminated another team. They 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 didn't score as much as you you would like to, and I would have liked, and everybody else would have liked. They at no point in that game did you ever feel that they were in, in trouble. Blake, I uh, want to touch on what you're up to before we go. Uh, I know we talked in the off season. You joined the Wildcats coaching staff. Must be pretty exciting tonight for the first practice. Yeah, this is our first practice of the fall, and uh, it'll be a, a little bit more more meetings and uh, some testing, and then I think we're uh, we're maybe on the field for some walkthrough, and then we'll be right at it uh, on the weekend and uh, getting ready for a first exhibition game against the Crosstown rivals, the Edmonton Huskies. So it'll be uh, it all starts tonight. Well, good stuff. I know you're looking forward to it, Blake. Thanks so much for checking in. Have a great weekend. Uh, we'll talk in about a week and a half after the Calgary game. Thanks a lot, Reed. Appreciate it. All right, that is Blake Dermott as the Eskimos win last night, 26 nothing over the Argos. Uh, Luke texting in, he says, the Eskimos offense needs more focus. Ellingson, Stafford, Collins have dropped or missed plays they usually make. The defense is tops, as is the special teams. Address the dumb penalties, and the Eskimos go a long way. Another texter says, 4-2, and two, big deal. The Eskimos have only played one good team and they lost to them, obviously. Well, I would think referring to the uh, game against Winnipeg, not against Montreal. I I understand that argument from that texture, but y- you got to win the games you should win. And let's face it, before the season, there were a fair number of people that had the Eskimos last in the West, and maybe BC as high as second. Well, BC has one win, and quite frankly, I think they're going to lose again to Saskatchewan tomorrow. Um. So, you know, I understand it. You have Calgary coming up. You have Winnipeg. And then you're going to play Calgary again twice at the start of September. Uh, games against Ottawa and Toronto in this next set of six. So it will be tougher. But look, let's just take the Lions, for example. Well, if the Eskimos would have lost the two games to the Lions, they're they're two and four. So I'd, I'd sooner be four and two with maybe wins against teams that aren't as strong than, than losing to those teams. You can text 63630. Phone number 7804960063. One week away from the 1932 by Bateman Open, we will have a couple. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply of local pros who will be playing in the tournament all ahead on Inside Sports.
home for all the news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Ten minutes left in Hamilton. Tiger Cats leading Winnipeg 23-12. Brian wants to talk about the Eskimos on line one. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, Reed. Hey. Hi. Uh, always enjoy your show. Thank you. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, uh, went to the game last night, and, uh, uh, you know, I just have to tell, first of all, all Edmontonians, you got to get out there and support these guys. What a beautiful night for a football game. Uh, and, and, I mean, the team is uh, playing well. Could always do better, of course. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely say it's, it's a great night of entertainment. Um, uh, I, I wanted to kind of get to a point that, uh, that you and Blake were talking about, um, kind of alluding to about the uh, leaving points on the board. The game before this one, uh, I believe it was in Montreal, yep. um, uh, where, where Jason Moss basically said, uh, you know, the penalties really didn't have an outcome. That, that troubles me because I think they did um, two touchdown uh, touchdown callback, two interceptions, and and then a couple of gambles uh, that were, you know, nullified because of uh, penalties. Uh, if that doesn't change momentum, I, I think, don't know what does. I thought for the Montreal game when he was on with Morley on, on Monday, he was pretty. I thought he was pretty clear that those penalties took away opportunities and, and points. Maybe I misunderstood. But I, oh, okay. I, I, don't I didn't think... hear that. I didn't hear that show. Yeah, he's he's he was on with Morley on Monday, and he he made that point. He said like the two procedures on short yardage. He said he's never seen that before. Stafford's touchdown was waved off by by a penalty. You know, I th- I think he recognized they had a, they had a pretty big impact. I don't know if he agreed with all the calls, and I t- you know a couple of players didn't didn't think that that was necessarily holding that took off the Stafford touchdown, but yeah. they were called, so they definitely had an impact. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, you know, and if that's the case, that's fine. Uh, to me, it troubles me. You know, if any coach would would you know, uh, you know, publicly come out and, and I believe I did hear that statement that he didn't think it had uh, the outcome, like it, that it affected the outcome. Um, and I, I actually I would have to strongly disagree with that. Um, you know, penalties they have to be addressed, and I think that's the Eskimos' uh, biggest Achilles heel. Uh, you know, from last year and. Uh, starting issue, I, and and I heard I think Blake mentioned that when they when they cut back on the penalties last year, they started losing. So I mean, it's a fine line between you know playing with uh, that intensity and and not taking penalties. Yeah, no, it's they've been a poorly well, they've been a highly penalized team. You know, I, I have to go. Even Chris Jones, I think they might have taken a lot of penalties. I'd have to go back and look, but yeah, it's yeah. it it hasn't been good. It was it was better. It was better last night, and the penalties weren't as costly. But obviously, they weren't yeah. playing as, as good a team either. Brian, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, just one more thing: uh, the playing better teams coming up here, so I hope I hope they address uh, that issue. Yeah, no, no kidding. Thanks, Brian. Good to hear from Thank you, buddy. You. Thanks All for right. listening. All right, that is Brian at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The Eskimos are four and two. More on six thirty ched dot com. Will Bateman ready to golf in his hometown next weekend? He's in studio when we get back. This is Armando Sewell of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630Chad. All right, Armando Sewell, one of the big parts of that Eskimos defense, and it looks like they're going to be a game out of first in the West Division after tonight as Hamilton is beating Winnipeg 23-12. 
with five minutes left. Well, Winnipeg is in Hamilton territory, so there's still a lot of time left, but we will keep you updated on that one. Uh, I mentioned the Edmonton Stingers rolling along. Eight wins in a row now. They beat Niagara 105-98 in overtime tonight. Okay, well, this is uh, fun. We're rolling into the week for the 1932 by Bateman Open. It's going to be at the Edmonton Country Club. The tournament starts on Thursday, and this gentleman is ready to go. Welcome back to Inside Sports, Will Bateman. Will, good to see you. Thanks for having me, Reed. Thanks for stopping by. I'm sorry you can't see the TV. I know you're just trying to watch yeah. the football. The way the studio is positioned here, Will and I are across from each other. The TV is behind him, and you're not the first guest to think like, what, I can't watch the game and exactly. <laughs> only I get that luxury. For we're, sure. We'll have to put up a second TV or or, or, or something like that. What? Who? We've never talked about I mean, your other sports uh, interests, I don't think. Are you an Edmonton team supporter, or have you, do you cheer for individual golfers because you're a golfer? Who is it for you? When the Oilers are playing well, I mean, then <laughs> which is never, no. <laughs> well, it's felt like that, trust Yeah, me. it has felt like that a lot of years. No, but, uh, you know, when when uh, when the Oilers were playing well there, I don't know how many years ago that was, when we made it to the finals, we were one game away from winning the that Cup. That was 06. You yeah. would have been a teen, probably. Yeah, crazy support there. Um but yeah, I mean, since then, haven't really followed much of that. But uh, as for golfers, you know, a couple of my friends are on tour, and and then obviously the big names like Brooks Kepka and and uh, you know guys like that. But yeah. who, who who are your friends on tour? Uh, JJ Spawn's a good good friend of mine. Um, I play golf with him in Arizona. You know, when when we're both in town, we probably play once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a couple other guys, Adam Svensson and Hank Laboida. Uh, yeah, so those three, I follow those guys a fair bit. And then um, I did play with uh, Nate Lashley on, on the Latin American Tour in 2015. Nice. And it, that was a pretty cool story. Obviously, he uh, he won there a couple weeks ago. But, yeah, just the background story on that was pretty interesting. So, right, Well, let's tell it. <laughs> well, so, yeah, so uh, I, I obviously the PGA Tour picked it up kind of as he was, you know, leading in the last couple rounds there. But uh, so in 2015, I found out... Um, he was playing a college tournament and his girlfriend mom and dad were coming to fly to see him and the plane ended up crashing and they all passed away so he blamed golf for it basically after college was done i think he quit golf for i want to say maybe five years and started selling real estate and then he just realized, you know, obviously he blamed golf for it, and, and he just realized, you know, I, I want to play golf. Mm-hmm. And then at age, I think he's 36 now, he got his first win on tour. So that's pretty amazing. cool story, yeah. Did you watch a lot of the British Open? Yep, yeah, watched a bunch of it. Watched the full final day. Have you ever golfed over there? No, Anywhere uh, yeah. in the UK? Yeah, uh, I've golfed in Scotland. Okay, have you played um, St. Andrews? Yep, yeah. yep, played and? in the old course. Uh, yeah, pretty cool. Obviously, unbelievable place. Um, so, what was the weather like when you played? Because <laughs> that's the f- I gotta ask. That, yeah, right? the weather was windy, and and I mean, what what stuck out for me was that the the uh, fairways were faster than the greens. Really? So you could put off if you put on the fairway. It's, yeah, it's faster. Well, than I the noticed greens. a lot. All the British, most of the British Opens, you'll see a guy. He might hit a bad approach, or he's in trouble, and he's forty feet short of the green. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's putting. Oh, yeah. Because they know it, they're going to get it up there. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, they're so fast and firm. Yeah, it was, it was interesting golf. It, it blew for us. It was it was pretty windy. Um, but, uh, yeah, no So did you ever have there. a hole where you're like, okay, hey, I'm aiming out of bounds, but I'm going to trust it's... Well, yeah, the road hole. 
So where were you aiming? Yeah, so you're literally aiming, you're aiming like on the corner of the hotel. Like right. To hit a cut for me, so like a fade, like hit a fade away you're, from the you're, building. You're left, play yeah, left, yeah. you're literally aiming right at the corner of the hotel and you're cutting it over. It's pretty cool. Now how, for for a guy like, and you've seen how bad I am, and by the way, I'm playing even worse than when we played together a couple weeks ago, if you can believe that. Well, how? you still got a shot for a million, so. That's true, next Saturday I'm in yeah. the shot for, for a million. Yeah. I, I might be able to can that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much? How further up were the the average guy tees on the road? Like they're not going to ask a guy like me oh, or yeah. to hit over the corner well, of the hotel. Well, to be honest, the 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 tees were you know the tee boxes are like ten yards from the greens because it's kind of old school golf. So every tee box is like ten yard from, ten yards from the last. So green. you finish one hole and it's like yeah, there's no path nope. like here. Okay. No walks, no walks. Um, but yeah, I mean the the basically the. The back tee and then the the tee, which I think I think there are only three sets of tees, but you know the back tee and then the tee where you know say like an amateur would play from, they're not too far apart actually. Really? So you would be still, you could take a little <laughs> bit of a different angle, you know? Yeah, I probably wouldn't have the distance to carry the hotel. Yeah, exactly. How, do you remember? Did you par? Did you birdie it? Did you? I remember bolt? I parred 17, I believe, and then I birdied 18 on my dad, I think, to win by one against him. But yeah. 18 at St Andrews is it's a pasture with a green basically. Like oh, it's I mean, not a it's, difficult hole it, for I the mean, finishing fairways, tournament of a major. Yeah, the fairway's hundred yards wide. Yeah, it's a. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't hit it over. You almost could I just mean, put it off the tee. <laughs> yeah, easily. Except for you the probably. Hole. Yeah, there's the berm, right? Yeah, there's the bridge there, but I mean, that's that's a unique finishing hole because there's really, and the, the where the the berm is, no pro is going to hit it in there. No, no, no one will hit it in there. So you, yeah. That's yeah, that's interesting. Uh, AJ Armstrong is here as well. He's also playing in the 1932 by Bateman Open next week. AJ, good to see you. Thanks for dropping by. Yeah, thanks for having me on. He's, he's wearing all your Washington State stuff still, but you've you're finished, right? Yeah, just graduated this spring, so all done with that. But uh, yeah, I already missed it. I'm uh, planning on heading down there for a football game this fall. So yeah. So that's they're the they're the number one on campus then the football players. Yeah, yeah, we had, I actually got really lucky. I think they had their four best consecutive years while I was there, so they were uh, in the top ten in the nation the last two years, so yeah, it was really fun. Uh, and you were the, you know, did somebody take your, your, are you the reigning Alberta amateur champ, or did somebody just take it? Uh, Andrew Harrison just took it, yeah, okay. down at Wolf Creek a couple weeks ago. Uh, they had quite the tournament down there. I think it only, I think it got cut to 36 holes, actually, because of the weather. That's right, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so his name's on there now. But uh, now, have yeah. you turned pro yet, or is that still coming yeah, up? Yeah, I turned pro. You did turn pro, okay. Yeah, so this will be my, I think, third tournament as a professional. So okay, so now you're allowed to win money. That's yeah. never a bad yeah, thing. That's pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> Good to have. Uh, thanks for coming in, Stu. It's great to have bo- both these guys, by the way, Ed- Edmonton guys, and uh, and doing great and, and working hard in a. I mean, we, we've. I mean, Will's been in here before. We've talked about this. That's the beauty of golf. You, there are no contracts. You want to win, or you're, you're like, you want to make money. You want to move up. Well, win, play well. Like it's the most democratic sport. You're not going to be handed anything. Yeah, it's definitely all on you. That's uh, that's the thing about golf. So, get what you put in, I guess. Will, we know we know your story a, a little bit better. But you started golfing at what age? No, oh, basically when I could walk. Okay. Yeah, and, and your dad's a big, big golfer, and yeah. he was in a couple of weeks ago because he's obviously the title sponsor for the tournament. Yeah, obviously that's you know he um, he's always wanted to have you know something uh, to do with pro golf, and and obviously him getting his own tournament is you know super nice, 
And I think that he's going to, you know, he's done a lot of cool things already for the event. And, um, you know, his goal is to have the best PJ Tour Canada event of the year. Um, all the players at the end of the year, they end up voting on which tournament was the best right. in, you know, whatever areas, the golf course and, and also uh, different aspects. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's 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 been super busy, but I think he's really looking forward to it. He's doing well. He's doing a bang up job. AJ, what about for you? When did you start golfing? Yeah, I was I was pretty young as well. I was probably about four or five. Uh, my dad got me into the game as well. We uh, we went down to the golf course up in St. Albert, Sturgeon Valley. Uh, we'd go down there. So we lived about a two minute drive away, and yeah, we'd hit some balls and then go for a slurpee after and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, my dad's always really been big into golf. He uh, has a golf business down in Arizona. They do. Uh, yardage books and scorecards and stuff like that for courses down there so so fam huge family influence for both you guys then which yeah. is which is cool absolutely definitely yeah. and aj you're probably mad i said you're from edmonton and you grew up in st okay. Albert, right yeah, <laughs> yeah well. i just lump it all together i always <laughs> joke with rob brown there's so many i feel like 90 percent of edmontonians actually live in st albert or did at some point so i just <laughs> i just lump it all together yeah. all right so what is the ramp up now for you guys that you're in a tournament. You don't. You don't have a tournament this weekend, obviously. Uh, you're you're in one on Thursday. So how? I'll start with you, AJ. How are you going to ramp it up now to make sure you're hitting a peak for Thursday for round one? Yeah. Uh, the first thing is I just pretty much booked the booked the whole week off work. So that's the biggest thing. Uh, I got uh, yeah that time off, so I can really start playing and practicing. And um, that kind of started kind of last week. I started practicing more, playing a bit more. And then, yeah, this weekend I'll probably uh, pl- practice and play quite a bit, and then I'll play uh, play the course probably Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, leading up to the tournament. So, that's at the Country Club. What about for you, Will? Oh, yeah, just uh, continue to do what I do every day, um, and yeah, you know, just uh, I think recovering well for next week is going to be important. Um, I've been wearing this band. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's called Whoop. Okay. Um, and it just basically tracks, you know, um, my strain throughout the day, and it's on a scale of 21. And basically, uh, it's just about recovering the best for the next day, so I can basically peak at the right time. Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's three options. You can either, you know, choose to get by one day, perform, or peak. Um, so obviously, for next week, I'll have Thursday to Sunday um, on peak and just get the right amount of sleep and hopefully, you know, recover the best. Now we were talking before we started. You did not play around today. No. And I know you practice. practice every day anyway, but I think every other time I've seen you, you have played around that day or we're going to, but today you did not play any traditional golf, so to speak. No, just practice today. And yeah, no, just woke up early, uh, went for a run, um, and then, yeah, just hit balls for a couple hours, putted for a couple hours, and then pretty much had a nap and, yeah. Come do some radio. Yeah. What about for you, AJ? Did you play yeah, today? today? Uh, I just practiced. Um, I was over at the Windermere. I was helping uh, one of the teaching pros out there with some junior stuff. So I went down there a couple hours early and got some work in around the greens. So okay. So ideally, let me ask you this: How? Maybe, well, maybe there's not a typical week, but how, in, in a in a week where say you're not playing a tournament, how many hours would you practice, and how many rounds would you play where you're saying I'm scoring and I'm following all the rules and I'm playing one ball and all that kind of stuff. I could, you guys are grinning like uh, I'm asking a crazy question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it just depends. Um, yeah, I mean, 
for example, this week, I guess on Wednesday, I played a country club in the morning at 9.45 and then ended up playing men's night in the afternoon at 3. So I played 36. So you played 36 day. one day, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it just, it really depends on the day and, and uh, if I can find some games and stuff. But, uh, you know, playing a lot, I think, is important. Is You know, I think practicing is important too, but I think that really getting yourself out there and playing and, and scoring is is most important thing. What about for you, AJ? Yeah, kind of like, the same way. I'll spend a lot of time out the course, and then if I get a game, great. If not, I'll play on my own or practice. It just kind of depends on the day and whoever's out there. So uh, you're both looking for games then. If anybody's looking for someone to golf with, <laughs> contact Will and AJ. Definitely. Yeah. I'm going to tell everybody listening, though, you are not as good as these guys, so do not bet. <laughs> <laughs> even, if, even if... No, I know you guys wouldn't do that. Uh, and you guys, you, you don't really know each other, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We we met uh, we met at the media day a couple weeks no, ago. No, but prior to this summer. No, prior. You guys to hadn't really crossed paths. Really. Like Will, Not you're really, yeah. a couple years older. We knew I guess, of each other of each other, but never met. Yeah, officially. Because yeah, I just kind of assumed, oh, they're probably like been golfing together since they were like seven. Yeah. And then <laughs> you guys were like, what are you talking about? Bro? Yeah. Like, yeah we're just go do your apart, radio show uh, and leave us alone. Yeah, we're a few years apart. We're both on the uh, national development team. Um, I think our year before we went down to school, right? Yep. So. Yep. Yeah, I think you would have been, what, 2012? Yeah, 2012, 2012, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and I was 2015, so... Yeah. So you've never played each other in, a, in an event or been in the same event that you know of? I don't think so, um, no. Well, that's yeah, all changing, boys. So. Yeah. Final pairing on Sunday. I'd love to see that. That would be Bateman nice. Bateman and Armstrong at the top of the leaderboard. That would be fun. Can you guys stick around for a few more minutes? Definitely. Absolutely. Will Bateman, AJ Armstrong, in studio, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hi, this is Trevor Harris of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Uh, A song that came out well before my two guests were born. This is Hot for Teacher by Van Halen, gentlemen. You guys were not born in 1984, were you? No. Will, you're just laughing at me. Uh, Will Bateman and H.A. Armstrong are here. Pro golfers from, well, say the Edmonton area. And uh, they're golfing in the 1932 by Bateman Open on Thursday. Okay. Well, thanks for coming in, guys. Is it... I'm going to ask this question because Will's had has had this experience, AJ. You probably will have to suffer through this someday. He has played golf with me. <laughs> I'm quite bad. Is it difficult? I'll ask it because I've asked Will this question before. AJ, is it difficult for you to play golf with a 15, 20, 25 handicap? Like if you walk onto a course, yeah. you know you're probably going to shoot par or better. Like three over, you'd think, oh, I didn't play that well today, probably. Most right. courses in the Edmonton yeah. area. You might play with another guy who could be th- thrilled to shoot 92, but he's like way worse than you. So is that yeah. a difficult experience? or No, it's usually fine. I mean, that's the beauty about golf. You just never know who you're going to meet and who you're going to play with. Um, I think the biggest thing is just if the, as long as they keep up, like as long as they play uh, relatively fast, then, yeah, it's fine. I mean... I've played with lots of people who've shot 90, 100, and had a great time. So um, I think that's the great thing about golf, yeah. Do you guys remember, I don't know, was there a milestone when you were kids, like first time you broke 90, 80? I don't know when. You guys must have been breaking 80 before you were teenagers. Yeah, I think I shot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, 
Well, I think I shot 69 when I was 13 at Surgeon Valley, and that was my, that was the biggest. See, AJ big Armstrong has just so. given a lesson on how to come on a radio show and make everybody hate him. <laughs> yeah, I shot 69 when I was 13. Uh, <laughs> well, no, that's, that's all. Well, what about for you? I never asked you this before. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, you know, when I was 11, I, I won a 18 and under event, and I shot uh, 73. So um, I think I broke, I want to say I broke 70 when I was 11, 10 or 11, 12, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. playing back tees or what tees, junior tees at that time? Uh, what, yeah, what have you yeah, played? It was the, yeah, it was the junior tees. I mean, for... still, you're breaking 70, so yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just incredible because it, golf is such a hard sport to master. And I know you guys have worked at it, obviously, but to be that committed and that good at, at that young of age is, uh, is is pretty impressive. Okay, so the 1932 by Bateman Open is at the Country Club. Will, I'll start with you. What do you, and I'm glad I got to play it, but what do you expect from, the, I mean, for me it was the greens, but I never putt on greens that fast. What's the biggest defense for the course? I'd say wind. Um, oh. Yeah, I would say wind. Um, you know, the course from tee to green isn't too difficult. Um, I think if you place the ball off the tee, you know, really well, then you'll have, you know, a lot of looks at birdie. I think that when, you know, I played Wednesday morning, and that was the day it was blowing like 30. Mm-hmm. And, there, you know, there were some different clubs off some tees to put you in, you know, different spots. And I remember I, I hit one on 17, um to the 150 yard plate and the hole's like 550 you know but obviously it was blowing straight right. downwind and i think that that's the kind of the um prevailing wind you know when it does start blowing but you know other than that uh the greens are a little bit you know tricky in areas they're just these tiny little breaks and tiny little slopes that you you kind of can't see to the eye um you know i've played it a few times so i you know i think i i've gotten the the gist of it but I think the greens are a good defense, too. I think that it's going to be tough to hold a lot of putts out there. All right. I wish I had more time with you guys. Uh, Hamilton beat Winnipeg 23-15. Right, man, we gotta, we gotta, I know you guys will be busy next week, but we should try to get you on later on in the, in the summer and the fall. I, I'll, I'll ask you this here in the final minute. You, Will, you were just saying the breaks and all this stuff. Will you? Guys, I'll start with you quickly for this one, AJ. Will you make notes on a course or after you play a round? So you might say, wow, remember on 14 it looks left to right, but it's, it's right to left. You do stuff like that. Yeah, on a course like the country club that I've played so much, you don't necessarily have to, you know, it can be more mental notes. Um, definitely they're going to make the course a little different for the tournament. I know they're going to grow out the rough to, you know, four or five inches and let it grow for the week. So I think uh, it'll just be interesting how they set it up and uh, have to make some adjustments there. But overall, I'm pretty comfortable with the course. So. Yeah, same for you, Will? Definitely. Okay. Well, uh, we will do this again. Best of luck next week. I know you guys are, are working really hard, and uh, it, it's it's so incredible. You're great role models for other golfers coming up. So Will Bateman, A.J. Armstrong, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having yeah, us. Thanks, Reed. Appreciate it. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. The studio operator this evening is Kellen Kennedy. I will be away Monday watching Def Leppard. Dave Campbell will be hosting the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Have a great weekend. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.